peak of adulting. So, you know. Uh-oh. Oh yeah, I know. Very, it's very odd for me. But buying uh, groceries, uh, paying bills, doing yard. Oh yeah, first, of, first, first of the month. <laughs> you know, all that. That's awesome. Yes, yes. How about you? Uh, man, I've had a really busy week. It's been a week of you know getting uh, back into the flow. Uh, you know, we wrapped uh, the movie Magic Hour uh, last yes. Friday, so um, lots of positive things going on. Um, but yeah, it's been a week of. I'm, I'm happy to have the weekend here. Last night we had our first um, in middle school. Jeff, it's Thursday night lights as opposed mm-hmm. to That's Friday right. night lights. Yeah, in uh, Alabama, our, it's Thursday night. Yeah, our daughter's in the band, so we uh, you know we went to the game and. Had our whole, uh, you know, neighborhood community experience there uh, at the middle school football game. And, I, you know, I'm the dad that's sitting like in the stands. I probably should be sitting with the parents that are of the players as opposed to the band. Right. Because right. the band sounds great. Right. But I like I'm sitting here going, all right, somebody needs to coach these uh, safeties because they're not running their route right. And they're leaving gaping holes in the, you know, and, <laughs> and that and, one's and, just and, sitting uh, in the middle of the field. Like, <laughs> I don't understand what's happening. They don't do um they don't do field goals in middle school. It's uh what we did. I don't that's they no, must have changed eight, the rule. Okay. It, no, that's it's all changed, Jeff. It's eight minute quarters and they only do uh like conversions, right? So they do, but it's only a one-point conversion. Mm-hmm. So it's 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 different. It's different. It's so. it, uh, is that supposed to be for safety reasons or I, I mean I, I don't know. I mean, I, I mean, do they bother they're... kicking off? They do not kick off. They just started on the on the twenty. On the 20. Yeah, yeah. I think so, they did that a lot for when the, all the concussion protocol stuff came down a few years ago. I think they probably made a bunch of changes. That, that makes that sense. Would seem, that would seem rational. You that know? makes sense. That makes sense. You know, that just gets me more you know excited when I'm, I think about you know college <laughs> college football this week because I'm just like yeah. Let's get it well, all. <laughs> it's it's definitely you know if you're a football person uh, or sports person, this is definitely a good month. And uh, you know we we know though, Jeff, those those concussion protocols, you know those uh, those special teams folks when they you know they, they get the, that one chance mm-hmm. on the field, and so they're they're going you know 150 percent down the field, you know just wanting to hit somebody. So it's 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 probably good that we don't you know that we don't. As, as a former special teamer, I can tell you that uh, you know. I hated it. <laughs> you hated it? Because it's just like, well, you know, you run like dead sprint. Like, I mean, you're doing your basically like your 40 yard dash time, like in full gear. And yes, you're correct. You're, what is the object is to find that person and absolutely <laughs> decimate them. I mean, it, it's, it's <laughs> at the same time, like avoiding getting blindsided yourself by like a guy coming out of nowhere, like block you. <laughs> You know, you see, it's just like, because it happened to me on a number of occasions. It's just like, I thought I couldn't see out of my peripheral, you know, your peripherals all blocked up and you're just got that dead sprint on. Then you get whacked like, uh, you know, from the side. It's just like, there's no worse feeling in the world than your body, like suddenly betraying you. And you find yourself (laughs) like three, three Stooges-esque flying through the air and landing very awkwardly and not quite sure how that happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) I love it. I love yeah. it. Someday in a future episode, I'll, I'll I'll tell you about my my one day on the football team. My one day. Oh man, I'm marking it. I'm making a note yeah, as we'll, we speak. We'll, oh my we'll goodness. Uh, well, we are. 
teasers teasers um (laughs) well we are goofy uh, this week i love it it. well i'm a little like i said it's been a hard week of adult and a little punch drunk a little uh you know it's just been one of those weeks uh we are uh lonely phds i'm dr jeffrey hayes he's dr joseph watson we uh you know we we watch movies uh, when we're not feeling too uh, loopy, uh, or sometimes when we are feeling loopy. I mean, it just depends on the film, I guess. Uh, this week, uh, we watched a couple films. Uh, I watched uh, Sam Raimi's Dark Moon from 1990, and Dr. Watson watched The Rum Diary, a 2011 film directed by uh, Bruce Robinson. Uh, and I have a lot to say about Bruce Robinson, so I'm, I'm curious when we, when, we get in, when we get into that. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lead off. Uh, this week i had not watched dark man in in a while but i i saw this in the movies i mean it was you know it was in the 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 post glow of, of you know burton's batman world you know that we had now introduced that came out in 89 this comes out in the you know the spring of 90 um and it was just an exciting time had never really had quote unquote you know, superhero, real super, I mean, Superman was the one kind of outlier, you know, and and that franchise had died basically by its own, by its own hand, you know, or, or the hand of Golan Globus uh, (laughs) and Canon films uh, had basically reached in and squeezed anything that was left, you know, out of it. Pretty sure it was nuclear man that, that, that I know it was nuclear man that did it. Yes. Uh, And, uh, you know, I'm sure much to the delight of Richard Donner, you know, who who probably never stopped dancing on that grave. In fact, (laughs) I know he never stopped dancing on that grave because every interview with Richard Donner, he would be very happy to talk about how they screwed him. (laughs) (laughs) On, on, on on the original Superman stuff. But, um, you know, Raimi is such an aggravating director because it's almost like in we've been with it we've followed his whole career you and i you know we're, dead. Yeah, I, mean, I mean it's, yeah. it's just it's just like here's a guy with all the tools you know and and he's just he's so aggravating because i'm just like there's always something missing in mm. in, in a raimi film whether it's him doing drama or it's him doing superhero stuff or, you know, or something, it's just like, there's always something interesting. And it was, in, it was interesting to go back and, and rewatch dark man and be thinking about, well, one, the disaster that is the multiverse of madness, because the film's an absolute turd. It, it, it's just, it just lays there. I, I mean, I was so shocked by how pedestrian and, awfully acted and just just i i mean i've got no love for dr strange and the multiverse of madness i i was i was more upset with it than any you know than anything else felt very phoned in yeah yeah yeah, you know um so going back and watching when he was this is his first big this is actually his first studio film this is his first mainstream film because the evil dead films we're with smaller, you know, uh, indie stuff. And uh, no one counts. Uh, he doesn't even count crime wave. I don't think anyone counts crime wave, but, <laughs> you know. Uh, so this is his first big, you know, swing for the fences and it's Universal Pictures and they've actually given him a decent budget. Uh, you know, I think it was 14 million, something something along those lines. And in 1990 dollars, that's, that's not too shabby. That's a lot yeah. of money, you know. Um, 
and uh, uh, you know he he basically made a mashup film. Uh, this is a little bit of universal horror. This is a little bit of pulp uh, magazines. This is a little bit of comic book influences, you know, and, and then, of course, it's also uh, he just can't help himself. You know, he's got to have a little slapstick and uh, also uh, uh, always, always a little, you know, uh, 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 grotesqueries, you know, of, of, of some sort. So, oh, um, you know, it's it's all there. The Raimi mix is there and it, it, it it's like ready to be birthed you know, out, out and, and introduce this person to a wider uh, audience. And the film was very successful. Um, it, it, for some reason, though, I couldn't figure out, uh, as I was doing my reading this week on it, you know, it was successful, but yet they did the sequels like direct to video. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I was just like, and I, I wonder if he just said, I don't want you know, I don't want to fool with it. I don't want to you know i've always he been curious in, he, he wasn't involved with any of the sequels i think he produced them okay okay so he took yeah. the paycheck yeah okay oh yeah 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 he took right. the paycheck but it was right. just like it, it felt like he didn't want to for some reason like you know he didn't want to do the next you know if there was going to be a next film like it didn't right. it never you know materialized um i will say one very annoying uh uh aspect of this film is danny elfman's score um really huh. it's 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 so plagiaristic of the Batman score. Like, oh, okay. I mean, yeah. I mean, I was just, yeah. I mean, I'm sitting there and I'm like, dear God, like how many, how much of this is he lifting like from his own? I mean, Universal Pictures isn't complaining, you know, because they're just uh, like, oh, oh, great, uh, you know, uh, swelling, <laughs> swelling violins, you know. But uh, uh, it was, uh, uh, I, I just, I had forgotten that they had worked on so many films together, and I think this is yeah this is the first one you know that elfman uh, uh scored for him so really? okay. well we well we always associate him of course with tim burton but right. you know I, I forget that he's basically scored like i think if not all of Raimi's major movies then pretty close hmm. um i'd have to go back and take a deeper yeah a deeper look at that the one thing that's interesting uh two with well not the one thing but one of the many points that's interesting about dark man is is that this is also this is ip this is original you know ip even though it's a mashup and it's based on you know his frustration of not being able to get a superhero property that he really wanted to direct so he said you know screw it i'll just make my own and i mean that again in this day and age it's now unthinkable right like every <laughs> no one no one's sitting there going, you know what? I'm going to create a superhero from scratch. Right. You know, um, and I, right. I'm sure it, uh, you know, and I'm sure at the time it, it was not for Universal. It was probably a little, you know, you know, it's just like, should we go with something? But what this generation completely doesn't know is that, like, these properties were just not in play, like, yeah. at all. I mean, comic books were comic books, and comic books did not cross over to the to the filmic threshold. You know, I mean, it, when you, when it did, you had things like Dolph Lundgren as the Punisher, and uh, which, by the way, I've got a I've got a little soft spot for that in my heart. Oh yeah, okay, okay, I do. <laughs> I just I love the opening of that film. I still always remember it's like glides through like the sewers because they put him in the sewers for some reason, and then it like ends on him naked like in a yoga position with like candles burning and he's like meditating hard you know you hear i am or some like voiceover about you know how he's 
Frank Castle, the Punisher. And I'm just like, it's very, it's a very unsettling opening. <laughs> With that, maybe because you're just like, ooh, it's a superhero movie. Why is he naked? Um, you know, you do, you do one of, one of those. I, I, I do, when I think of Dolph Lundgren, I think, you know, I will break you. You know, I mean, of course, I, it's the Rocky Four thing, and and I don't think I've ever seen the Punisher, at least not his that version of the Punisher. I know there was a one mm-hmm. fairly recently, or or there's been about two or three a few um, right? there's been a few yeah so so yeah so you know we've got this this really interesting uh uh take on the on basically on you know a, me- a mashup of uh you know the mad scientist uh and the or i shouldn't say the mad scientist, the determined scientist right because right. he's gonna you know make make it right um and basically so the the synopsis of the film is is basically this liam neeson that yes, that Liam Neeson, right? Liam Neeson. Um, Liam Neeson, yeah, is the lead character in this. Um, he is a scientist who is working on uh, synthetic skin for you know, uh, I guess cosmetic, you know, uh, uh, applications. Uh, but his skin can only last uh, for ninety nine minutes in the daylight, and this is his central problem that he is working on and he is uh uh getting ready to marry his gal uh played by francis mcdormand um which is surprising this is actually knowing the history with the cohen's it's not that surprising because it's just like they're they're very close you know um and uh yeah so he uh he runs a foul well i should say he runs into the wrath of this developer who francis mcdormand is playing a a a a lawyer who's going to bust this guy for you know infractions well that doesn't sit well with him uh there's some sort of memo uh that that has all the stuff listed on it so he sends in uh the main villain of the film uh played by uh, i believe is larry drake dr giggles himself and uh you know it just i mean this film's insane we actually open this film focused on the villain like we have this whole like opening segment of showing how evil the villain is and i thought that that was a unique and interesting you know way i'm not going to introduce you know my main character or my hero i'm going to actually introduce the villain first and i really appreciated that um can we say that raimi right i mean that's sort of yes oh yeah, yeah. Take and his creativity right yeah i mean even though by his own admission i mean he can't write a screenplay to save his life. Like he's admitted that, like he, he can come up with the story, but you know, he's just all thumbs when it comes to, you know, trying to really, there was a number of screenwriters on this film, you know, so Mm -hmm. I'm not sure if I can completely credit him with that or not. Uh, But it was definitely a, 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 an original thought, you know, I mean, even, uh, even now, I mean, I've been thinking about it. I was just like, I can't remember a movie that opens so strongly this way especially in 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 the hero you know the hero verse you know the hero right, franchise. Right, right. um but uh uh bill pope shot this film uh he's the dp this was his first film and he would go on to make all the matrix films uh a large number of edgar wright's films i mean he's he's worked with a lot of top-notch people and right. uh that and also Raimi too i mean i think he was even shooting uh, he didn't shoot Doctor Strange because the Marvel machine has its own people, but um, he he pretty much, I think, shot every Raimi film 
through Drag Me to Hell, I, I, if, if I'm not mistaken, okay. yeah. which I would also say to people, just like, see Drag Me to Hell. It's such a good, it's, yeah. it's such a it's good fun. film. Um, what's also interesting, this, this movie serves as a time capsule because he used, Raimi figured out that to, to get as much of this on screen with this budget, he used a process called introvision. Are you familiar with introvision? I don't think so. Okay, so introvision. It only was around from like 1980 to 19, I think 96 or something. They 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 may have contributed to to eight or nine films, and two of them were going to be were Dark Man and then the follow up Army of Darkness, which he does. Uh, after this, which is Evil Dead 3, basically. So let me let me break down IntraVision real quick. IntraVision is a front projection composite photography system using a pair of perpendicular reflex screens to combine two projected scenes with a scene staged live before the camera, in camera, in a single shot, right? So traditionally in Hollywood, you had front projection, you had rear projection, think of this as kind of combining those two mm-hmm. um but also with the with the added bonus of that you can basically composite live action and plate photography through the camera's viewfinder in real time and you can also place the actor inside of that plate um so yeah i mean this this kind of solves a lot of problems and yeah, also I can see the benefits yeah right away yeah it it also solves for for the new age now you know ilm has basically updated this is basically what their new technology is right with the with the curtain mm-hmm. um and we talked about that in a previous episode where you know all of basically all of uh uh, uh star wars uh movies not movies but the television shows are now using this new thing that ilm has created where it's basically like a a, a semi sort of half circle where the projection is on there and you can place the actors in real time and you know you can do all this so it's an update to this but yeah introvision it was fascinating because it also had me thinking about watching army of darkness which he i think 75 percent of that film was shot uh using introvision hmm. <laughs> which is pretty incredible when you think about it like yeah. um it, it's pretty if you're if you're lighting it right and it does you know it it looks it's a really good magic trick. I, I'll be honest, and he pulls it off in Dark Man. There's there's a lot of really nice, you know, effect shots that that you can, you know, if you didn't know what you were looking for, you wouldn't know. You know what I mean? Like it's just like mm-hmm. this is really really interesting. So, um, I I just think it's an interesting history note now. Uh, th- this introvision that it was an independent company that tried to play with the big boys and got squashed you know basically like it and it also got phased out by the mid 90s because of computer graphics and whatnot but as you and i as appreciate appreciators of good aesthetics you know no it's just like a lot of these processes can still work like the, the you know i mean there's a lot of tricks like i was watching the uh the new uh uh lord of the rings uh show and they still do forced perspective when you put Huh. yeah they're still yeah. doing the forced perspective trick you know of 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 tricking people with the camera about it big works, people and though. little people yeah. it yeah. does and it doesn't yeah. cost you anything like Fine. it's not it's just you got to know where to set you know where to set the uh to set the camera 
Yeah, it's uh, well, I mean, it's certainly cost effective. Um, so that's that, that kind of tickles me that they're still they're still getting away with that. Um, and it's almost like a trope now, like we 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 see it. We've seen it before. So it feels familiar to us. Mm-hmm. And so we're not even thinking, I guess, consciously about it as as a as a special fact. <laughs> Um, <laughs> right. But it but it is because it, yeah. it requires the technical skill necessary to know, you know, where you got to set up, where your actors have to stand, how you're going to light it, you know, all of this. And it, it's it's way more complicated than I'm actually giving it, you know, giving it a credence to. Through, oh, sure, sure, sure. You know, through yeah. through through doing it. But uh, so anyway, yeah. So with Introvision, he, he, he makes just this really wonderful you know, it's a very effects heavy film, Dark Man, but yet it's not. And it's, 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 I was surprised by how entertained I actually still was by it. Like, because again, the aggravating thing about Raimi is like, he just, it's like he can dial you in for a little while and then there'll be something that will throw you off. You know, it'll be something that will just bother me from like a like a plot hole or a plot point or, mm-hmm. you know, something along those lines, you know, and I'm just like, oh, we're, we're wait, you know, like, <laughs> what's going on? You know, I'm just right. like, why did why did right. we gloss over this? Because, again, this has got a very this is a 90 minute film, you know, and he's he's running and gunning and, you know, just like he did with Evil Dead and Evil Dead 2 and um, a little bit. I, I think Ar- Army of Darkness kind of lags. Uh, in 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 a number of places, but that's another conversation for another show. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, so so I think overall that Dark Man is kind of a wonderful introduction for people to to sort of the super you know comic book movie because it's just so ridiculous like it's so i mean we're basically talking about a guy who who uh, uh gets burned up beyond any recognition right and becomes a you know becomes wants to get revenge you know for the people that have you know taken everything you know from him and i i just it's it's a good twist on an old on an old nugget you know what i mean so is it better when we're watching superhero movies to um, for the effects to be uh, more subtly ingrained or to where they really draw attention to themselves? Um, and I, I don't, I'm not sure if that's a fair mm-hmm. question, but for me, when the effects, re- really this goes for anything in a movie, when, when the technique starts to overthrow the story Mm-hmm. Uh, and you start paying attention to how they're doing something as opposed to what is going on in the story. Mm-hmm. Uh, I get taken out of the world of mm-hmm. that's being constructed for me. Other people may respond differently to that and say, you know, no, that's part of the the uh, the thrill of going to the movies, right? Is to is to, mm-hmm. is to sort of experience those kinds of things. But I would I would think that you want it to be seamless if you're not talking about the effects then they were probably done incredibly well mm-hmm. but uh but if you have to make a point of talking about them afterwards it means that they either were very much drawing attention to themselves or they mm-hmm. didn't work and so the green screen or whatnot was incredibly mm-hmm. obvious right and right. so you know but i i, I don't want to be taken out of the world mm-hmm. right um how do you feel about that do you want well, them to i mean it, it's it's a delicate balance 
you know, and I, I never felt taken out of this particular film, even on this rewatch, even knowing what I know about it. I mean, I, it's still an enjoyable film and mm -hmm. it's still, you know, it's still a nice, you know, roller coaster ride. And I think that's all it's supposed to be. It's, right. it's not supposed to be anything other than a popcorn film and to forget your troubles for 90 minutes and watch this ridiculous, <laughs> this ridiculous thing. And um, that's, you know, that's to me the good part about Raimi. And that's the good part about his directorial sensibilities when he's making these types of films um, that he's I think he's very conscious of it. And I think he's very conscious of the experience. And I think he's very conscious of wanting to do the best job possible. Um, that's what strikes me about his tentpole movies, about his big popcorn movies, which, again, leads me back to the disappointment of. Of, of the Doctor Strange film. Sorry, I just can't get over it. Like, it's just, it's it's gonna, I almost, I really wish I'd never watched it, quite it honestly. Yeah, it does cut deep, because I'm just like, I don't, is he done? Like, I, you know, there's a lot of lore out there. There's a lot of stuff that you can read uh, in the culture about the relationships uh, between Raimi and, and, and Disney and, and some of the problems. I think there are some that wrote uh, about the fact that he felt that or that Disney felt that they didn't want it to go too dark which mm -hmm. to me was always kind of laughable because it was like they didn't really understand who they hired um, and uh, then I think the fans of Raimi those of us who love Raimi's work um, were disappointed because he didn't go dark enough like he wasn't allowed to be himself in, in, in certain ways um, and you know um I, I'm with you and with many others in that I had I had very high hopes for that, not because of the fact that it was Doctor Strange, but it was the fact that Sam Raimi was helming a Marvel film. And I thought, oh, my God, what you know, how amazing is this going to mm -hmm. be with this guy at the helm and with that kind of budget? Right. And I just it was just a massively disappointing movie. And um uh, that stench is going to be with us for a long time. And unfortunately it, it is going to cloud how we think about the previous stuff that we enjoyed from him, because like you're saying, it's, it's like, where did you go, man? Like what, what happened to you? Like mm -hmm. you know, what, what's going on? Right. Because this is not the, this is not the Sam Raimi that we grew up knowing and loving, you know? Um, well, I mean, it's just that too, like that when you take away the inventiveness, you know, when you take away, and, and for people, I highly recommend uh, reading up on how they made those Evil Dead movies, because it's just like that is that is gumption, spit, tape, uh, grease, two by fours. I, I mean, it, it's crazy the inventiveness. Yeah. I mean, of of those two films, uh, and I'm, I I don't throw Army of Darkness in there because he got a budget. You know that that was a that was a universal right. picture. You know, I'm just talking right. specifically about Evil Dead and Evil Dead 2. Right. Which, you know, in, in all honesty, Evil Dead 2 is really... <laughs> it's just Evil Dead. A, <laughs> Evil Dead 1. But um, but uh, I, I, we watched them both fairly recently because mm -hmm. um, Dana had not seen them. And, and um, you know, so we, we watched them and uh, they still they still really hold up. I mean, I, I remember there are a couple points in, in, the, in the first Evil Dead where... Dana was like, oh my God, you know, I think it was the seller, you know. When oh, yeah. And it's like, <laughs> yeah. 
Oh, the first time like they break out the 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 you know she comes up you know out of the cellars just like yes. that is still scary as hell. Yes, it, it um, is very effective. Uh, and I read too recently where um, that cabin where they mm-hmm. shot Evil Dead uh, is it's up in Tennessee. It's in East. That is correct. Yeah. Um, and uh, it's now um, it's got a lot of private property, no trespassing like around it because the owner was really upset that there were so many people you know, going up there <laughs> trying to to explore it. And I'm like, bro, you know, you're missing the point. You need to put a website up. I was going to say, it's just like, you need to cash in on there. this. I mean, make that an Airbnb. Like, Heck we'll, yeah. We'll be all I'd, over that. You know? I'd go stay there. I'd, absolutely. I, totally, I would, do I would yeah. totally do that. Especially uh, like in the dead of winter. Yes. Um, but the, uh, you know, the, the, the porch swing is, is, is still there. And oh, I mean, so awesome. I just, yeah, I just, I, I, I thought he missed the, missed the boat there on, on an economic opportunity because uh, there's a huge fan base for that, for that film. Uh, and he would, he would be making money out the wazoo if he, if he did that. But, you know, unlike, uh, you know, with something like the Texas Chainsaw Massacre folks, which they've really figured it out uh you can stay at the gas station where they shot you know all that stuff the barbecue place is 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 there um and uh there's a little two bedroom airbnb that they've built like in the back of it and so you can you can stay there and there's a there's a little texas chainsaw massacre museum and stuff that also of course has a gift shop and merch of course but um you know but they figured i mean horror horror sells it sells mm-hmm. people it's it's the most profitable genre you make a horror movie, you can find someone who will buy it. And, um, you know, if, it, if it's, you know, up, up to snuff and um, uh, I just, it just tickles me how, um, how some of that stuff continues to pop, to pop up. But anyway, yeah. So dark man, huh? Um, <laughs> yeah. So we got, we got way off track, but that's no, it's okay do. though. I mean, no, no, it, it, it does connect and dark man, you know, I remember the trailers, mm-hmm. I remember um, it's been, I've only seen it once, Jeff. So it's been a mm-hmm. long, long time ago. Um, Cause I think I did not see it in the movie theaters. I saw it on home video mm-hmm. on VHS, I believe. Uh, and um, I remember liking it. I remember um, thinking it was a little quirky, a little off, you know, sort mm-hmm. of off the beaten path. Um, and uh, I remember liking Liam Neeson a lot uh, in the movie, and um, I he's got a great it. American accent in it. Like he, yes, he, yeah, he does. He has yes. a really good American accent. I mean, um, it, it'll never beat Next of Kin, but no. you know, hey now, hey, hey boy, hey now. hey now, boy, you just you just entered the Swayze verse, and uh, <laughs> I get really defensive and prickly when it comes to the Swayze verse. Um, All right, cooler, go easy. I, <laughs> Um, I, uh, but I, I need to revisit dark man. If, if nothing more, I need to listen to the Danny Elfman soundtrack and listen to the mm-hmm. similarities between, between that and Batman. Um, but I, but I remember enjoying dark man and I, I don't know if there's a reason why I didn't go back to it. I think I do remember all of the sequels. There's what, two sequels. Or yeah, are there two, there's two, uh, video sequels. That right. Basically like focus of- on the, on the villain Durant. <laughs> okay. And I was working at the video store at the time. So I remember getting those direct to video, like, you know, releases um, for Dark but, Man 2 and Dark Man 3. Well, the, the Dark Man 3 has like one of those great, horrible, 
uh, uh, direct to video titles, you know, Dark Man 3, die, Dark Man, die. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh no. Yeah. Exclamation points. Is that really the title? That is really the title of it. Nothing signals the end of a franchise more <laughs> than a title. Like than a that. bad title like that. God. <laughs> what's, the, what's the worst video title you ever saw? Like when you were working the, the worst or the or the most interesting uh well i guess one of each or you know okay i, I always uh cannibal women in the avocado jungle death <laughs> remains like one of the best cheese movies ever uh and probably one of the best uh titles ever i think probably the one that stood out the most to me was frankenhooker yes when that came out uh wasn't was that the like, box that talked wow uh i don't i don't know I remember there was there was a, a picture of a of a young lady on the front of it, and she was kind of <laughs> coming, coming out of the subway, yeah, coming out of the subway, subway. And, yeah, um, uh, yeah. And so I just remember that was one that came through the in the boxes where you pop that open and you're like, <laughs> "What is this? Like, what is this movie?" Because you know? again, kids, there was no internet, right? So I mean, you just didn't, you know, you couldn't just look shit up, you know. Well, plus, um, plus, you know, the the art of cover box art, you know, just like the oh, art yeah. of film post i mean for our generation like going to the video store part of the fun was just walking the aisles and looking at crazy especially in the horror section like crazy boxes that's right and sometimes renting stuff solely based on the fact that well the cover art looks really cool really cool like a really cool movie or really Um, gnarly or really I mean, uh, yeah, it's, it's, that was that was uh, that was that was a big draw uh, in the in the day. So the title and 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 cover art, because you know you you just you just didn't have information that was a click away. So you really had to had to take a risk on things, and that's really how you kind of learned. Was well, I'm going to try this. If not, you know, if I don't like it, it's a wasted two or three dollars. And um, yeah, but Frank Frankenhooker and Cannibal. <laughs> So, so children run out today, right now, pause this podcast, look up these two films, and we're going to let you go from there. Well, we're Lonely PhDs. I'm Dr. Jeffrey Hayes. He's Dr. Joseph Watson. We just got done discussing Sam Raimi's Dark Man uh, from 1990 and also various VHS uh, 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 Hallmark stories. I feel like we could have a Hallmark channel devoted to that. Uh, Good. We should probably, we should probably do an episode at some point just on video store stuff, you know, like uh, video store as a metaphor or something Mm -hmm. like that, or video store as a representation of an era, you know, um, Mm -hmm. because it is, it is lost. It is something that we, that we experienced and it was temporal and we, you know, that, that time is gone now. And so we must, we must carry the burden of the memory well, well i mean i guess right it's it's like oh, in my day we, i mean it's it's yeah i mean it's it's not it, some of it is that but at the same time it's 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 trying to get younger generations to understand how we came across content you know and how so much of it was just you know i mean uh some video stores wouldn't carry certain titles some you know mm-hmm. some some students uh, that i have today they don't understand a joke when I say, well, that movie was back behind the curtain, you know, that's like, right. The adult they, section, they, 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 they just didn't understand. They have no, they have no conception of that. So you, or, know, you have to adjust or, or trying <laughs> to explain, right. Or trying to explain to them, like there would be mom and pop video stores 
that had yes. said curtain they'd be but they'd be like a local business and it'd be like you know marie's video shack or you know something like that like you got a membership card at every single video store that you could because they might have your movie that's right you know if they didn't have it at blockbuster which was pretty much they never had your movie uh movie gallery was uh, you should take some time with that but if you weren't striking at those two places it was like you were hitting the mom and pop joints like hoping you had to yeah you had to <laughs> um and and you know just the the idea of calling mm -hmm. and saying do you have this movie can you hold it for me will yep. you reserve it for me you know and just just the excitement of of you know and getting in the jumping in the car and being like oh gotta go get it it's just you and i did that a number of times <laughs> it's a lost uh it's it's a lost time you know it's a lost it's a lost era um and it's it's just it's it's different now it's different it's different for them and 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 if if these students today they if they can't find a title online they most of them anyway that i've come across they will not even like library what mm -hmm. like what what they 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 won't even venture because the library really is your local public library is really probably the last resource of like a decent inventory of, of movies that you can rent and 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 take out so um and you know hopefully libraries are still going to sustain you know because we need them but um Hey, as long as they keep uh, yeah. slapping a Blu-ray player on my Xbox, I'm in. I'm in good shape. That's all I really care about. I, I don't think physical media is going anywhere. Do you? Yeah. I mean, I mean, I, we always hear about oh, the. I mean, other than like the A track or the Laserdisc or you know, I mean, the Betamax or whatever. I mean, we, we've been through a lot of mm -hmm. media formats, and they always seem to come back at some point. You know, vinyl's back. Vinyl's doing mm -hmm. great. Uh, you know, I. You can still find CDs. I don't know people that are buying them, but I know, I know they're still, I still see them out, mm -hmm. um, you know, and uh, I, I'm waiting for cassette tapes. It's already here. To make a return. Are they, are they already it's here? It's already here. Is yeah. it coming back? Visit, visit your local record shop, sir. Okay. All right. You, you, you'll see it, but. Uh, well, good. I mean, I, so whether it's nostalgic, you know, purchasing or, um, or, or new generations, it's kind of discovering the coolness of that. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I, I still think, uh, yeah, I, it's, it's. Well, we're still, we're still very tactile beings. We like yeah. to hold what we purchase, yes. you know, yes. that's, that's just good consumerism, sir. Yes. You know, what's this magic trick? You're going to download my book. No, 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 no. I want my book. I want it on the right. shelf. I want to see it. I want to touch it, right. you know. Sometimes I want to smell it. That's just me. I, I don't, you know. Well, it was, it was, I think it was recently we were watching, we were introducing Zoe to bring it on mm -hmm. and um, which is kind of a, oh, you know, benchmark moment for any uh, young person uh, these days. And um, there's a mixtape, right? That's, mm -hmm. that's made in the film. And, and we did, we had to pause the movie. To explain the and I had to explain what a mixtape was, and Zoe thought it was really cool. She was like, "Oh, that's cool." That's I'm like, it was a very big deal in that time oh, yeah. period. If you made a mixtape for somebody, much more so if it was an original mixtape, like you you recorded your own music and you know uh, and did something like that, it was even more of a sign that this person was you know was fond of you or was into you. Well, so, if they um, said they were your friend, they wanted to be more than your friend usually yeah 
you got a mixtape. That was a sign that there was a relationship in the it's, it's blooming in the making. Yeah. Yes. Sure. Or or some yeah. physical contact of some type is about to go down. She thought it, yeah, she she <laughs> she thought it was really cool, you know. Um, and I'm like, these days, I think you would just send a playlist, right? But I mean, sure. uh, back in the day, you know, we would record and and we would decorate the the cover art, right? Would be like a big deal, you know, for the for the mixtape. Um, but yeah. I think I saw a box somewhere of a bunch of mixtapes that. Uh, oh, I do absolutely. That were made for me. Um, we still have a tape player. We can we can break it out next time. Bring yeah, the box. We've, we've, <laughs> we've still got a stereo system that'll play vinyl and cassettes and CDs and whatnot, and um, hasn't been used in a while. But we still have it, uh, just in case you know we we need to go there, or just in case, folks. We uh, you know have some sort of digital apocalypse and you can't access your content on the internets what what will we do i don't know i don't know we'll just crumble uh you uh you watched an interesting film this week oh yeah Uh, i had oh yeah that thing um i just enjoy talking to you so i I know i enjoy talking to you too i'm not i'm not i'm not rushing us uh the Rum Diary. This was directed by Bruce Robinson, stars Johnny Depp. Um, I've seen this film. I've seen all of Bruce Robinson's work. Um, all, all four films. All four films. Yeah. I mean, I just think he's an interesting uh, Well, tell me about person. Bruce Robinson for you, because he has a, you know, he started as an actor and, and he did a lot of work with, um, you know, some, some giants, right? I mean, true well, he was, he was supposedly sexually assaulted by uh, Zeffirelli. So, I mean, I did not know that. That is. Did uh, you not know that? that I did that, not know that, and nor yeah. did that come up in any of my research on him. So yeah, he was in uh, Romeo and Juliet. He played Benvolio. Right? He played Benvolio, and he yeah. he has stated over the years that he was, you know, almost wow. Yeah. Okay. Well. Um. Well, I guess. Uh, well, that's uh, a fun fact. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, I guess that that. I mean, it doesn't really change. Uh, how I feel about him other than just um, you know the 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 bravery of overcoming something like that and continuing mm-hmm. to work in the industry and and mm-hmm. it not you know I mean uh, and for that not to have caused him to derail and 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 go off and do other things with his uh, with his life um, you know I, his films Jeff to the most part I mean with Neil and I I mean I I, I don't None of those really stand out to me. I don't, did, did you? I mean, did what you? What about have, what about what's how? I mean, you, how to get ahead in advertising? I mean, just didn't really hit me. In interesting that way. Maybe I should go back and revisit some of that. I mean, the, yeah. the most recent one that I noticed of his list that I had seen within the last seven years was Jennifer Eight. I revisited mm-hmm. that one not too long ago, maybe two or three years ago. Didn't didn't really do much for me. So um, so when you said Bruce Robinson, you know, yeah, I'm 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 interested in him. I was like, oh, okay, well, I'm gonna let Jeff talk about that because he, he was he didn't really stand out to me as being. Well, I would who, I would certainly go back and watch with Nail and I and How to Get Ahead in Advertising because I think okay. that those are the, just the two the bookend films you know for him in the eighties, and also both star the unbelievably amazing Richard E. Grant who I, I have to remind myself he's still around like yeah. he just he'll pop up every now and then and go oh god that's right he's still around like still bringing it still bringing the crazy uh although he's kind of toned it down uh later in his his career but i mean i think he hit that zenith with like hudson hawk mm-hmm. uh you know where him and sandra bernhardt 
played those weirdos. Um, <laughs> hey, let me tell you, Hudson Hawk is a future podcast that's coming at some uh, point. You have threatened me with this before, and I, I I'm with you. I stand I stand beside your Hudson Hawk choice. Telling you, and I will face that challenge when it comes, sir. It's one of those lost gems. I'm telling you. All right. So, Rum Diary, uh, Bruce Robinson, yes. Um, screenplay as well as directed. I think in some ways this was his the first thing he had done in like you know 16, 17 years. Uh, yeah, since Jennifer Eight. Yeah. So, in some ways, I think he probably uh, related a little to the <laughs> to the Hunter S. Thompson character because Rum Diary, from what I do know about Hunter S. Thompson, is it was a novel that he wrote. Um, you know, early on, but wasn't published mm-hmm. until much later in his yeah. his career. And I think there there probably are some reasons why. Uh, you know, it it was not published uh, earlier. Um, um, so the 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 film version uh, of it, I think, probably holds weight. Mm-hmm. I mean, I haven't read the book, so I don't know. Um, just from what I've read, I know that that. They really tried to keep a lot, but they left out a few main characters and kind of mm-hmm. put in some some new ones. So I, you know, I don't know if you're if you're going to quiz me on like authenticity to the book, I, I'm I'm not gonna I'm not gonna pass that test. But I can tell you that uh, this movie is about uh, an American journalist, Paul Kemp, who's played by Johnny Depp. Uh, Kemp is also, I think, our stand-in for Hunter S. Thompson. Um, mm-hmm. Paul takes a freelance job in Puerto Rico uh, for uh, a local newspaper during the early 1960s. And um, as sort of a gonzo journalist, um, he starts to understand that there is a awful imbalance between uh, the island culture, the indigenous peoples and the influx of uh, expatriates as well as American oil and business industries that are quickly moving in to uh, to the area. So um, Paul uh, takes this job. He stumbles across a oil uh, billionaire uh, played by Aaron Eckhart, who's Aaron Eckhart is wonderful. Uh, it's just a great actor, but mm-hmm. Sanderson is the oil guy that he plays. Sanderson sort of takes Kemp under his wing and says, you know, we're, we're going to want you to write like, you know, really positive PR stuff for us. And really what, what he's trying to do is get a good spin on how, um, how they're sort of building up the local Puerto Rican economy, but really all they're doing is just, you know, sucking up beach and land and, and pushing people out of their, their native sort of spaces. And um, so once Paul realizes this is going on, he has sort of a crisis of, of faith and he discovers that the newspaper is also going to go under. So he tries to do this last ditch effort unsuccessfully, of course, but tries to do this last ditch, last ditch effort to write a big story about what's going on uh, in the hopes that it's going to turn the tide. And of course, none of that works out. The paper closes and folds and, and, and it doesn't work out. Um, but he does get the girl uh, in, in, in the end. So um, here's why Rum Diary, I think, is entertaining and why I still kind of like it. Uh, you do get a really interesting exposure to Puerto Rican culture, uh, which obviously interests me, but also um, in uh, at a very specific time of uh, in, in our history, uh, kind of pre-Nixon, still mm-hmm. get a They'll get a little Nixon rant uh, from uh, from our Paul character, which is, of course, I think kind of classic uh, Hunter S. Thompson. But 
the real reason to watch this movie is not what you think, right? Uh, because I think the movie now will forever be sort of culturally asterisked because it's the movie where Johnny Depp met Amber Heard for the first time and right. they fell in love and it right sweeping all of that to, to, to the side because yes, you can watch it and you can definitely see where they obviously were attracted to each other. Of course, people, they were attracted to each other, right? Um, and, uh, but that's not the most interesting thing. I think who steals the show in this, in this movie are Giovanni Ribisi plays oh, yes. who is this amazing, like character who like, he plays Nazi speeches. He's drinking like 400 proof rum and he's like blowing like fire out of his mouth. He's, you know, he's just this washed up journalist and he's this kind of amazing like bookend for Paul because he's like, wow, that's, that's how far one could go, you know, as, as a, as a sort of disillusioned journalist, <laughs> like that's how far down the, down the path you could get. And then uh, the other standout to me is Richard Jenkins, who's just a great character actor, right? But he plays Lotterman, the, the the editor of the newspaper, and he's he's always messing with this toupee, and he's always like screaming at at, at Paul and Moyberg and some of the other journalists about you know you know we gotta get a good story, you know we we want to check you. He, he's he's like lost all faith that there's any kind of you know objectivity or. Mm -hmm. uh, truth that can really be uh that can be you know all the ideals that we kind of assign to american journalism or or mm -hmm. journalism ethics and all that uh they're so cynical at this point right to like any of it you know it's just like well nobody's gonna read it nobody cares nobody you know nobody, you know we just we have to print what people will read uh and we have to get advertising money right so it's all this is like sort of uh conflict that you see a lot in in, mm -hmm. uh, in movies that deal with the ethics of journalism or, you know, the topics of journalism. Um, but it does, like, if you don't have any kind of exposure to gonzo journalism or how that is kind of, um, or how that has value, right? This is a really interesting movie to sort of watch because I see a lot of value in gonzo journalism, uh, even though some of my journalism colleagues would probably be screaming at this point, right? Because, you know, you're not supposed to be a part of the story. The writer is not supposed to be a part of the story. You're supposed to be objective, you know? And, Write the inverted uh, pyramid. And then, <laughs> right. Um, but I, but I, I think that the story uh, is fascinating because he's writing what he knows He's um, obviously tainting it with his own, you know, perspective and own point of view, but that still doesn't keep him from seeing or discovering the truth of what's, you know, of what's really going on. And so mm -hmm. the, the romantic subplot between Paul and Chanot, the Amber Heard character, mm -hmm. is really kind of secondary. It's really kind of tertiary. And they really, if, if, if it's intended to be a love story, it's not, it does not work in that mm -hmm. way, you know? And I think the movie, uh, probably has its most uh, difficult hurdle that it has to overcome is it's got to include this component that we all expect from something about Hunter S. Thompson, right? After something like Fear and Loathing in Las, Las Vegas, we want, we want to see the acid trip. We want to see them go crazy. You know, we want to see sure. them do like the, the wacky kind of stuff. And this movie doesn't really have that per se. I mean, it has a little bit of that, but it feels very tossed in. And um, the, the, I think the, the main thrust of the movie is supposed to be the discovery of something that's really important 
um, that can you know be changed or battled, right? But that happens so late in the movie, and then of course at the end, it's not you know they don't win. You know, it's not accomplished, right? Uh, uh, nothing, nothing is done, and in the end, nobody cares. Just like Lotterman was saying, you know, the whole time. Uh, so it, it ends on on a little bit of a downer uh, mm-hmm. for sure. Other than the fact that you discover that you know he gets the girl, right? Uh, right. But that's that's you know that that's about it. Um, well, that's but, but that's yeah, it's a fascinating little timepiece, you know. It yeah. really is. Well, we uh, we would like you to get in contact with us. That's Please. what we would like, of course, always. Uh, and there's a number of ways you can do that. You can click on our link in the show notes to our Discord. That's right. We have a Discord up and running because we're hip, hip, hip fellows. Uh, and that's what we do. Uh, over there, we continue our conversations and post uh, weekly things about what we're about to do, what we are doing, all that good stuff, all for free. All you have to do is just click on the link and head on over there. Uh, if that's not, uh, that doesn't uh, grab you by the boo-boo, uh, you can, uh, you know, even email us the old traditional email uh we are lonely phds at gmail.com i will not spell that out because i can never get it right um just have to figure it's also you can make us a mixtape you you can make us a mixtape. yes send us a send us a mix not a spotify mix though please please no spotify things um you know because uh, speaking of Spotify, that is the one service that we're not on and that is by choice uh yeah yeah we're not on spotify uh, but we are on, uh, you can find this show on every available podcatcher you can pretty much think of. Uh, from our Podbean uh, launch page, you can see all of our offerings, uh, you know, and decide, you know, would you like the uh, the meat and two veg, basically, uh, is, is how I'd like to think about that uh, from a Southern perspective. Uh, well, I think that's good for us. Uh, I'm Dr. Jeffrey Hayes. I'm Dr. Joseph Watson. And we'll see you next time. Thank <laughs> you.